This is an Odyssey original. This is the War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. The war being documented in real time, TV, radio, on the Internet. What happens when it's over? The task turns to rebuilding and recovery, efforts that are going to take generations. We'll hear from a Ukrainian woman who wants to tell the story of what happens after the war is over. We'll also go to Ukraine, learning more about the rocket attack that officials say killed 50 people at a train station in the eastern part of the country. We start with the plans to tell the story of a post-war Ukraine. A woman from Kharkiv who fled the country is an aspiring screenwriter aiming to tell the story of Ukraine post-war when there is finally peace. Olena is with us now. She's from Kharkiv, but left after the war started. She's now in Italy and is a screenwriter planning to tell the post-war story. Olena also at one time lived in Southern California in West Hollywood. Olena, thanks for being with us. So let's start with what the last few weeks have been like for you, making it out of Ukraine to Italy and then watching the war unfold in your country. Hello. Um, yes, I left Ukraine about a month ago, and um, I'm safe right now. Mm, I don't know. Can you ask me a more specific question? Like, what do you want to hear? Well, uh, you uh, you left, you said, about a month ago. Why did you make the decision yes. to, to leave? Uh, some people, we've talked to a number of people who have stayed, and we've also talked to others who have left. What was the reason you decided to leave Ukraine and go to Italy? Uh, first, I left my city. I went to another city in Ukraine, uh, and then I decided to leave Ukraine because I found a place to stay in Italy, and um, I was scared that uh, other cities in Ukraine will be bombed as well as mine, and I was so afraid to hear that sound again that I decided to to move on. Are you with friends, family? Uh, I left with my close friend. So you are a screenwriter by profession, is that right? Because you, you were living for a while in West Hollywood out here in, in Southern California. Uh, is it your intention, I understand, to what? To write a, a screenplay about the the experiences that Ukraine um, is going through? Is that it? Uh, well, I create video content, and that's what I've been doing in Ukraine. Um, yeah, I told uh, Donald... Uh, I think that was his name. Uh, Our producer, yes. That I, yeah, so that uh, I'm, I'm working on some stuff because uh, all my projects that were dropped because of the war and um, right before the war started, um, I was hired to develop a TV series for TV channel. And uh, we were supposed to shoot in Kharkiv. Uh, and right now it's, it's impossible. I think I'm, I'm sure that project will never happen because the city is completely destroyed. And I don't think there, there will be any shooting in the nearest future. And I'm just working on some projects uh, that I still have. And um, my art is the only thing I have right now. And yeah, I'm trying to, to work on some some stuff that might be useful in the future. When you think about what that's going to look like, you know, how do you envision it 
panning out when you eventually can go back to your country? What is what is the post-war story uh, look like to you? I think uh, a lot of people will be traumatized and um, the stories I'd like to develop is how they're going to overcome this, how they're going to start to live again. Do you still have uh, friends and family left behind in Ukraine? And if so, have you been able to talk with them recently? Uh, yeah, of course. I have a lot of friends in Kharkiv. My family, uh, I don't have a lot of family, but they're not in like in the hot spot. They are in other cities. They're reasonably safe. Um, I'm in touch with them all the time, and I know what's going on in my city. I I watch the news. I'm watching it like I'm checking it all the time, like in real time. What goes through your mind when you watch? Obviously, you're in a safe place. Some of your friends are not. You know what's happening. You've you've seen the destruction. It must be it must be terrible to watch. Um, I think. Every person who um, who is safe right now, who is especially who is abroad, uh, like I know everyone is asking if it was the right decision to leave or whether I should have stayed. And um, like all of my friends are there, not all of them, but there are a lot of them who stayed and they, they're volunteers, they're trying to help and they're keeping together. And... I'm here, like, very far from them, and sometimes I'm, like, I, I'm questioning what what is the right choice to to stay there and be sometime, somehow useful and be with them together, but be all the time in danger and be scared, uh, or to choose, like, the to save your, uh, I don't know, psych your yeah. mental condition and your health but be so far and uh, not be so useful be able to help as much as you could probably we we mentioned at the beginning that for a while you lived in west hollywood were you working in the film or tv industry out here um I was trying to. I was doing editing mostly at that time. I wasn't a screenwriter, um, but my visa expired. I was a student. Uh, I I got my education in the states. Have you thought yeah, about? Yeah, so I got my film degree. Right. So uh, uh, you're in Italy now. Uh, have you thought about coming back to the states to pursue your screenwriting? Mm. Not really, because uh, I know I've been there and I know how hard it is to make it for U.S. screenwriters. And uh, it, it is even harder to make it for, like, foreigners. Um, it's, it's, like, it's too hard for me right now to think about something like that. It's a, it's a, too, it's a too big goal, I guess. What do you want people here to know? about what's happening in Ukraine? Um, it's a tough question. 
I don't know. I think um, I think you already know like what's going on. I just uh, I hope that people won't stop asking and being curious about what's going on uh, because there are still people are being killed and cities being destroyed and the whole country is being destroyed and. Um, I just I hope that uh, the world won't give up on this. They won't get tired of this, you know, and uh, they won't stop supporting us until it all ends. Elena there is uh, from Kharkiv now in Italy, screenwriter, planning to tell some of these stories. Uh, she said of, of the trauma, but then the the recovery. Elena, thank you for speaking to us. Another attack rocking Ukraine. Missile hit a train station in the eastern part of the country. Thousands of civilians had gathered there in hopes of leaving the region, escaping the military operations. Officials say 50 were killed. Photos from the train station showed bodies covered with tarps on the ground and the remnants of a rocket with the words in Russian for the children spray painted on it. More on this now from journalist Phil Itner, who joins us from Lviv, Ukraine. Phil. Thanks for coming back with us. Let's start with that message on the side of the rocket uh, at the train station. What is the meaning of that for the children? Yeah, uh, disturbingly so, written in Russian. Um, and uh, it does look like there was more than, according to Ukrainian authorities and a couple of other independent authorities, it does look like there was more than one. Uh, and that uh, at least one was either uh, either uh, destroyed by anti-missile uh, systems uh, or went off course. Um, these particular missiles that were being used are not known to be precise, so one shudders to think what could have happened had had the full effect of this attack uh, happened at that train station, which was just jam-packed with thousands of people trying to get out of the region. And has been jam-packed for a while, so it's not like the Russians didn't know that people were using that all the time to try and get out, so this falls right into that category we've seen before of just outrageous cruelty and civilian targets. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, it's interesting, within the last 20 minutes or so, I monitor uh, Russian um, communiques, and I will not repeat exactly what was said because I don't like to... Um, further Russian disinformation, but I'll give you the crux of what the argument is coming out of the Russian foreign ministry. They are claiming that this was done by Ukrainians themselves, but if one tries to follow the mentality of that, they're saying that the Ukrainians fired on these people trying to flee the Donbass region because they are separatists, and the Ukrainians hate these separatists, but then why would they attack people who were trying to flee the separatist area? It just, it's the different, the disinformation coming out of Moscow is astounding. And um, there can be little doubt that, that it was the Russians. Of course, there'll have to be a full fledged investigation. Um, but the logic is so twisted um, that already you start to see huge holes in this logic. Uh, and, and so um, it, it belays a, a, in my 
uh, analysis of this, having studied this situation for as long as I have, it belies logic, and it just shows the cynicism coming from Moscow that they would believe the Ukrainians, in order to, I guess, drum up more support in the international community, something they already have, that they would attack thousands of their own citizens out of spite because they were trying to leave a separatist part of the country because they hate those people. I mean, you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. It, it all it's just, unravels. Yeah, Exactly. I... It falls apart upon first inspection, and it's, it's distressing to see that some people would buy into that narrative. How about uh, today where you are? I, I know that Lviv has sort of come in and out of the news as being, you know, it, it's sort of, you know, one day it's kind of quiet around where you are, then another day it gets kind of closer, the, the combat. How is it now? For the last couple of days, it's been relatively quiet. We haven't had anything headed in our direction. We've had a few alarm signals, but that's generally because what happens is they will shoot some, the Russians will shoot something off in this direction and until they know exactly where it's coming anything that's even remotely headed in this way uh the alarm sirens go off but most of these missiles because they're long range have a second stage booster and so before they hit that second stage and actually take direction to whatever target they're trying to hit the authorities here try to warn the people so we we get this constant uh or near constant often uh, air raid signs, which just adds to the anxiety of the people here. I mean, while we may not get hit, we are constantly being reminded that we are at threat. Um, in addition to that, one of the things that's so distressing here is, is you see the refugees, and most notably the children. And, and that's the most terrible thing about all of this, is that you see young children, uh, you know, 10 years old, with that kind of thousand-yard stare that people... Get when they're in extended periods of, of combat or, or under distress, and have I mean to see a child have PTSD at ten, it 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 really it's it's distressing to see, and of course it's also just being a strain um, on the city itself, a strain that the city is more than willing to accept, but it is still nevertheless a strain. Journalist Phil Itner from Lviv, Ukraine. Phil, thank you again. This is an Odyssey original. Find us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher.